0: Welcome to Student Sunday. My name is Brett and I am our director of Next Gen Ministries here at Menlo. Student Sunday is my favorite Sunday of the year. Okay, I might be just a little bit biased, but hear me out. This generation is doing things that I never dreamed about doing as a teen. They're programming and developing apps that are changing lives. They're giving keynote speeches at marches and through technology and social media, they're finding new ways to express their creativity and their gifts. And if you dig just a little deeper, you see that they have a passion for social justice and awareness of the things going on in our world, and you see a joy for life and a deep desire to live a life of purpose. We talk about the next generation as though they are the next generation, but the reality is that they are this generation and they are leading the charge for the generations to come. But here's something else about this generation that you may or may not know. The past two years of the pandemic took a toll on their mental health and well-being. Last month, CDC released a study that found that one in three high school students experienced poor mental health during the pandemic, with 44% reporting persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness. Let that sit in for a second. Nearly one out of two students report persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness. But are we surprised? I mean, they've experienced being sheltered in place for months on end. They've missed out on huge moments in life, like the first day at a new school, prom, or graduation. They've witnessed social unrest and political insurrection. They've had friends move away. They've had parents lose their jobs. They've lost loved ones and some never actually getting the chance to say goodbye in person. And it's in this tension between seemingly limitless possibilities and these feelings of anxiety and loneliness that we find this generation. And that is why I love Student Sunday. Because Student Sunday is an opportunity for us, the church, to step into this tension and come around this incredible generation and say, we see you, we love you, and you belong here. Not just today, but every day. And I can't think of a better time to talk about the next generation than a week after celebrating the new life and hope that we find in Jesus' resurrection and his charge to his followers to feed his sheep. So today, for just a little moment, we're gonna take some time to look at one more meal around a table, or more specifically, the journey to the table. And as we do that, we're gonna hear a few students' stories as we ask the question, how can we, Menlo Church, come alongside the next generation to help them discover that Jesus has a spot prepared for them at his table? So on the day that Jesus was resurrected, in Luke chapter 24, we read this. We read, on the same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. Now, while they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey, but they were prevented from recognizing him. I wanna pause right here because there is an important detail that I don't want us to miss. We read that they were traveling away from Jerusalem. The majority of Luke chapters nine through 19 is known as the travel narrative. Jesus starts his ministry in Galilee and throughout those 11 chapters, he's slowly making his way to Jerusalem, which is the place where God's redemptive plan for all people will be fulfilled. And along this road, meals are shared, miracles are happening, and Jesus is gaining followers left and right. Likely, these two walking on the road right now were two of those followers. And with each leg of the journey, the hopes and expectations of who Jesus is are building. Would he be the one who would redeem Israel and overthrow their oppressors? All signs are pointing to absolutely yes. And then when Jesus finally reached Jerusalem, people lined the streets to give him a hero's welcome. But as we've heard in the previous weeks, the celebration in Jerusalem is cut short. As Jesus, along with the hopes and expectations of all of these people, is killed on that cross. In the people's minds, it's hard to redeem Israel if you're not alive. But now fast forward to this moment. Right here on the road. Instead of walking towards this place of hope in what is to come, they're now walking back away with heavy hearts and unmet expectations. Have you ever faced disappointment? Have you ever had expectations left unmet or wondered, what am I supposed to do now? For many of our students, possibly for many of you, this is where you are finding yourselves. This is where they are finding themselves today. But it is at this moment, on this path of uncertainty, that Jesus arrives and joins them on their journey. For a couple of moments, I want to invite you to listen to Megan as she shares her story. And as as she does, see if you can notice how Jesus shows up on her path.
1: My name is Megan, and I've been going to Menlo Church since I was five years old. Eighth grade was the hardest time of my life, especially nowadays, you know, with phones and everything. Being exposed to so much, I just didn't know how to handle it. But the one stable relationship I had was with the church and with my youth group and my youth group leaders. It's really, really impactful um, to have adults who aren't your parents, especially at that age, who can just really listen to you and tell you that everything is going to be okay. My life group leaders now, Cindy and Christine, if you're watching, hi, Um, yeah. They started being our life group leaders when we were in sixth grade and now I'm in 11th grade. So they've pretty much walked me through like every hardship I've ever had. I just remember this one time, at fall camp when I had my one-on-one time with Cindy. I was just like crying and she was just like listening to me cry. I really had so much that I just needed to spill out and Cindy gave me an opportunity to do that. And I've never forgotten that moment. (laughs) I've just like always had Jesus be kind of like a thing that I do every Sunday. My life group leaders really talked me through it and like explained how to tie in Jesus with my life. He's really like a solid foundation that I can lean on and just something that will always be constant in my life. I think the best thing adults can do for students is to just listen to them and validate their feelings. To just really listen, keep an open mind. Instead of teaching, just support.
0: Thank you, Megan, for inviting us into your story. When life was difficult and Megan didn't even fully know what was going on, Jesus showed up on her path. And he showed up through the leaders who took time to see her, to listen to her, and to walk with her. There's power in showing up on someone's path and walking with them. Now, as we go back to Luke, Jesus joins the disciples on their path and he says this. He says, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas replied and said, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place these days? And Jesus says to them, what things? Now, if this were a sitcom, this would be that moment where Jesus slyly looks at the camera and gives us a little wink. He says to them, Or they say to him, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, because of his powerful deeds and the words, he was recognized by God and all the prophets or all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests, our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. We had hoped that he would be the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened just three days ago, but there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning, and they didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they even had seen visions of angels who told us that he is alive. Some who were with us also went to the tomb, and they found things just as the women said. They didn't see him. Jesus is here with them on the road, walking away from Jerusalem, knowing why their faces are downcast. But what does he do? He asks questions. He leads with curiosity by showing interest in what is going on inside of them. And he walks with them on their path. You see, for Jesus, the journey and letting people know that he is on it with them is just as important as the destination Because growth often doesn't happen in the answers, but instead in the wrestling with the questions along the journey. I mean, think about the last time that you went through a difficult time in life. What was most helpful to you from others? I'm willing to bet that the most helpful people were those who just came alongside you and went through it with you. They didn't try to fix. They didn't try to tell you how it's going to be better. They just went with you and maybe even brought you a meal in the process. Once again, there's power in knowing someone understands you and wants to walk with you. One of the most common things I hear from people who want to serve with students is this. They say, I want to make a difference in their lives and teach them what I wished I had learned when I was their age. Now, the heart behind the statement is so pure. It's so good. And I said the same thing at one point. But... If we enter into someone's world thinking, I can't wait for them to learn from me, we've already failed. A recent study from Barna found that 64% of Gen Z say that they mainly trust their peers for insight and advice. And they also found, which I don't think is unrelated, that seven of 10 people agree that older generations don't fully understand the pressure that they're under. But here's the irony. That same percentage of students say they would actually feel comfortable seeking wisdom from other generations. So here they are open to seeking wisdom from other generations, but they don't. Why? Well, because we often don't seek to understand. We lead by saying, let me tell you, instead of, hey, won't you tell me more? such a small shift in our approach to the next generation can make a life-changing impact. I wanna invite you to listen to the story of Owen as he shares a little bit of his journey here at Menlo.
2: Hi, I'm Owen. I've been at Menlo for as long as I can remember. Leaders and adults, especially life group leaders, they've helped to support me through the toughest moments of my life. They've always guided me and supported me as well as given me advice on the decisions I make and they've helped to keep me closer to God through those moments. Our life group, does, it doesn't even feel like a group, it feels more like a family. I've been serving on the production team at the Menlo Park campus since sixth grade. It's become one of my huge passions. I don't think any kids were a part of, especially the production team, and I was working with adults that were over twice my age, probably over twice my height, considering my height at that time. They welcomed me with open arms. They were encouraging of uh, what I, I want to learn. A church statement that stuck with me is everyone's welcome. I feel like I'll be a child of God no matter what I try. I found him through production. It's I enjoy and I try and let others know about Jesus through that and I hope that others can find Jesus through the activities that they love.
0: Thank you, Owen, and thank you so, so much to his leaders, to the production team, and to all of our incredible volunteers for creating a space for students. Now, as you listened, what made Owen feel like he belongs? He said, people simply took an interest in what was happening in his life and they created a space for him to learn and grow. So far on the road to Emmaus, we've seen that Jesus walks with these people on their path. He takes time to listen to them and let them know that he's with them in their disappointment. And now let's go back to the road to see what Jesus does next. Jesus says to them, you foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them all the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through the prophets. When talking about this passage, Donovan, one of our student pastors said, man, if this story isn't the discipleship model, I don't know if I've ever seen one. Seeing someone on their path, taking time to walk with them, listening to them, understanding them, and then guiding them to the truth of God's word. That's discipleship. Boy, what I would give to be a fly on the wall in that conversation. Whatever was being said had the disciples captivated along this seven-mile journey because they start as they started to reach their destination, Luke tells us that Jesus acted as though he was going on ahead. But they urged him, saying, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. And after he took a seat at the table with them, he took the bread. He blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures to us? Then they got up right then and returned to Jerusalem." Their seven-mile journey of walking together, asking questions, listening and talking together, eventually leads them to a table. And it is around the table where their eyes were open to the truth of who was sitting right there with them. The one they were missing was walking with them all along. And what started as this long, hopeless journey away from Jerusalem has now become a joyous seven-mile return, bursting with this newfound hope in the resurrected Jesus. Now I want to invite you listen to just one more story. And this is the story of a student sharing about his journey with Jesus.
3: My family's always been very God-centered, but I never really understood the meaning um, and the gravity of really who God is and why we come together. I came for the donuts, I came for the bagels, um, because those are just so good. But I, I also just didn't really Know why we were here and what we were really doing through experiences and through relationships with people. God really transformed my life, um, and just one day just called called on me. Yeah, uh, we went to a mission trip in Agua Viva, Mexico, um, many years ago. This little kid came up to me and he was just hugging on my on my arm. He's like, "Can I show you my house?" Um, and I was like, "Yeah, of course." And he leads me to this little tin shack, and he was just so proud and so happy. And it was really a slap in the face. Yeah, I was just like, "Wow!" Like. We take so much for granted. It was moments like those when I look back now and just see how God has always been there in my life, even even when I didn't put Him first. with my mom, she's really walked with me through my faith and through my journey with God um, by just being patient and being understanding, understanding and loving towards me. Now that I've really, you know, started to follow God and um, live my life with God, our relationship has just turned into something that I never would have expected, um, and I'm very grateful for that. In this past summer, I felt really called to start a Bible study um, and that was kind of a leap for faith for me um, because, you know, I, I was worried, you know, well, what if it doesn't go right? What if, what if people laugh at me for it? You know, what if my friends think I'm crazy? I sent out a text to like 12 guys um, and it's turned into this amazing thing that um, I, I would have never expected it to turn into. It's just so amazing to have a group of guys in high school that come together and talk about God and talk about what we're going through and are just vulnerable with each other. My relationship with Jesus has totally changed me. People that I know from before um, I started walking along with Jesus, they, they noticed the change too. They're, they're always asking me and cracking jokes about um, the new John. That was smooth like butter.
0: Thank you for sharing, John. You know, when asked who were people that impacted his faith, John said two people his mom and his athletic director, two people who said, I'm going to walk with you. They saw John, they joined him on his path, and now John is walking with his friends as they walk with Jesus together. I want you to hear that the Jesus who walked with the disciples and filled their lives with a newfound hope 2,000 years ago, that Jesus is still filling students and people's lives with joy and hope today. We are living in this unique time when the next generation is leaving the church at an alarming rate. But at the same time, the desire to know truth and an interest in the spiritual things, it's on the rise. The Barna study that I've mentioned multiple times found that younger non-Christians today are twice as likely to express interest in Christianity than older non-Christians. Montague Williams, a professor of church culture and society at Point Loma University said, the next generation is leaving the church in order to find the church. They desire to see and to follow Jesus. And the question for us is, will we come alongside them and show them a Jesus who will walk with them in their pains, who will listen to their disappointments, who will hold their doubts and their questions, who will stoke the fire burning in their hearts and will say, I have a spot for you at my table. Here's my question for us today. Whose path are you on? In the stories we've heard, we've heard about life group leaders, parents, production volunteers, and adults in their everyday job. You could say that in the stories we heard today, we heard about the church. The church seeing students on their path and saying, I'm going to walk with them and I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to help them see that Jesus has a spot for them at his table. Who is a kid or a student in your life with whom you can walk? Maybe it's a neighbor or a student of a coworker. Maybe if you're a parent, it's your own kids. Again, I ask, whose path are you on? A question I often get asked is this. If I don't really know a student, but I want to, what should I do? Well, my first suggestion, talk to Menlo kids or Menlo student staff. Talk to your directors about joining our team or find help finding an organization that partners with the next generation. All of our leaders go through safety and life group leader training so that they're equipped to keep our students safe and to walk with them on their path with Jesus. But being a church that comes alongside the next generation isn't just about serving with kids and students. It could mean getting to know a family and finding out how you can care for and support the parents. Maybe you go with them to their kids' events and be their number one fan, or you could be like an adopted grandparent. You could drop off a meal so that they could spend a little extra time connecting as a family. It could mean finding out who kids and student life group leaders are and taking them out for coffee to thank them for all that they do and finding out how you can be praying for their students. Or maybe you're part of a life group. Your life group could commit to adopting a student life group and committing to praying for that group every time that you're together. Now, if you're a parent, maybe it could look like this. Maybe it looks like showing an interest in your kids or your students' friends as you drive them in their carpool or maybe while they're hanging out. Or you could just ask the question, who am I inviting to walk with my student? Fuller Youth Institute has found that students who have five non-parental Jesus-following adults praying for encouraging and walking with them are more likely to develop a lifelong faith. Who are five people you can ask to join your student on their path. Now I wanna give you one warning. I wanna warn you that walking with the next generation may be uncomfortable. I mean, Jesus had to walk seven miles out of the way with the disciples to talk and listen to them. And you may have to walk two miles, you may have to walk 10, you may have to walk along a seemingly never ending path before they find their spot at the table. They may also challenge some of the things that you thought you knew. Your heart may break as you hear what they're going through. You may be challenged to let go of some of the comforts or preferences that you have in order to let them know that they belong. But let me tell you something. When you hear stories like Megan's and Owen's and John's, you realize that it is all worth it. So let me ask you again. Whose path are you on? If you're in one of our rooms, you received a card as you came in with a question on the top and a blank to write down the name of a student who came to mind as I was talking. And if you're at home, simply write down a name or type it in on your phone. If you don't know a student, we've put the first names of all of our students in a random name generator at menlo.church slash student prayer, and you can go there to receive the name of someone to pray for. And I want you to commit to praying for the student by name every single day. And if you don't know what to pray for, simply pray for them to see Jesus walking with them every day. Friends, the next generation is here. Help us, help Menlo Church be a church that follows in Jesus' footsteps by seeing students on their path by walking with them in their highs and their lows, their questions and their doubts and helping them see that Jesus has a spot prepared for them at his table. Will you pray with me? God, we lift up all of our students, all of our kids, this next generation who doesn't even know who you are up to you. And God, we ask that you give us your eyes Help us to see the students walking around us and the ways that you are inviting us to walk alongside of them, and not to make us feel good, but so that they can know the hope and the life that is found in you and you alone. Now we give this generation to you, and we love you. In your name, amen.